0: Good afternoon, Eastern Washington and fellow patriots. This is Matt Shea and welcome to Patriot Radio, broadcasting live from deep inside the heart of the future. Liberty State brought to you once again by On Fire Ministries in the legacy of Dr. Stan Monteith, bringing you the story behind the story and the news behind the news. It's not about right or left. It's about right and wrong. It's about our hope not being in man, but in Jesus Christ, it's about not ending in prayer, but moving to action. It's also about Zechariah 2.5, but I declare the Lord will be a wall of fire to her on all sides and I will be the glory in her midst. I want to take a moment right now and just remind you, if you can, if you have the opportunity right now, subscribe to our Rumble channel, subscribe to our Telegram channel, and make sure to hit that share button and that like button so we can help get around these algorithms that have tried to throttle us for years, and it's working, by the way. Thank you. Patriot Radio is getting out to a massive audience now, all because of your efforts helping us get the truth across the Inland Northwest and beyond. And that brings me now to a little bit of a, oh, I would call it a admonishment, but also just kind of a comfort in this time that we're in. Psalm 56, verse 8, you've taken account of my miseries, put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Then my enemies will turn back on the day when I call, this I know. That God is for me. In God whose word I praise. In the Lord whose word I praise. In God who I have put my trust. I shall not be afraid. What can mankind do to me? Long time ago, my my dad said to me that, what are you going to do to me? Send me to Vietnam? And it always stuck in my head because, yeah, what are you going to do? There's not much more you can really do to him survive that you can survive anything and really in this time that we're in things are they're going to get a lot harder and that's okay but remember that god always provides for his people in these kinds of times and as i said in the last show righteous will not be shaken so while these things are happening around us we are the measure of peace. We are the, the ones that have been crying out to the Lord. We're the ones that are, are steady during these times. Despite the things we see in the news, despite some of the things we're even seeing locally. And just remember, too, that it is through great times of darkness like this that the light begins to shine. And I, I personally think That God has put us in this moment for exactly that reason, to be the light in dark times. So there has to be an increase of darkness, is what the scripture says, and then the light will shine as well. The two happen at the same time. And we're seeing revival happen all over the world, all over the United States. The revival can't just stop there. It has to move into reformation. That means a change of path, a change of direction in all of our institutions, in the seven mountains or spheres of influence in our culture. And really, if we're able to do that, take revival and watch it turn into reformation and pray to the Lord for strategies for reformation. We'll see this country turn around in an instant. And we can see entire nations be saved. It happened in Nineveh uh, with entire cities being saved. So we are in a time where we cannot be silent. So if if you're wondering if you should say something or keep quiet, ah, you're on the fence, speak boldly. Because that is how color revolutions are defeated by a large volume of voices speaking up against them. And that is why right now, I believe the globalists are trying to run toward the finish line because they have been exposed and more and more people are waking up every day. So that's why it's so important to share this show and others like it with your friends and family. And that brings us now... To one of the funny videos we were trying to play on the last show. This is, I think, what everybody wants as far as love. When you leave home for work in the morning.
1: Thank you can't come. I have to go to work. I'm really sorry. Please don't <laughs> look at me like
0: that. <laughs> that is I the saddest so look I've ever seen. He's turning his head. Down. I'll
1: be back, and we'll go on a long walk. Okay. Please stop, it breaks mommy's
0: heart. And now he curls up in a little ball. That's love. Don't leave me in the morning. Don't leave me in the morning, mommy. (laughs) What if we all had that kind of honor for each other as we left for work and showed that kind of love? Travis, I think we're going to be using that dog picture A lot in the future. Thank you for finding that. There he is. All right. Now that brings us to a more serious subject. And this has been happening throughout the Middle East. I've talked about it on the show before. In Iran, uh, in Turkey, in Iraq, Pakistan, other countries in the Middle East, Muslim men and women have been going to sleep at night and having a dream or actually having a an open vision, an actual vision with their eyes open of a man in white. And that man in white is Jesus Christ. And they give their lives to Jesus, and Jesus will tell them how to connect with other Christians. And there is a huge growth of Christianity happening now, underground, of course, in the Middle East. And so it doesn't surprise us then to hear stories like this from the son of a Hamas leader who is actually now a Christian. Go ahead and roll the clip. Uh, you know, I was born at the heart of Hamas leadership, you know, and I know them very well. I was like a prince in that world. Uh, they don't care for the Palestinian people. They don't regard uh, the human life. When I spent about a year and a half in Megiddo prison, you know, they killed so many Palestinian people at that time. If they succeed, in destroying Israel and building their state, what will they do? They will kill our people, you know. And uh, I turned against uh, even my own blood, you know, because this is how much I did not like Hamas. You know, when we see these kind of things, it does give us hope that God is actually strategically pre- positioning people to expose the evil and also do something about it among the, the different nations of the earth. So, even though there's a lot going on right now over there with Israel and Hamas. Take heart, God is also on the move, and that's why the enemy is raging, especially in the Middle East. And that brings us now to your daily intelligence briefing. Coming to us from the globalist front. Wow. Uh, Technocracy news, may God help us. Technocrats blow the lid off quantum computing with 1,180 qubit processor. So the proponents of technocracy are counting on the coming of age of quantum computers to enable their science of social engineering and world control. In other words, they're going to use quantum computers to track your every movement. And we talked about that last show with the deep poses that are coming through Wi-Fi now and through the Internet of Things in your home, all hubbed around the smart meter, by the way, where they can watch you in your home where you go, your pattern of life during the day add that to your dossier that they are compiling on every single human being, and then turn that into a source that they can manipulate because they know you better than yourself. So this leading physicist says that quantum computers will be tools of destruction, not creation, and I think we should be asking some hard questions. So... In terms of processing power, we can compare this new quantum computer uh, with kind of the old megabyte system. A megabyte has about a million bytes, a gigabyte, a thousand megabytes, a terabyte, a thousand gigabytes, or roughly one trillion bytes. These computers, however, are exponentially larger than that. This is going to allow them to use AI as well in a very, very uh, potentially nefarious way. So activity-based intelligence and also artificial intelligence, 1,180 cubits. And it uses ner- neutral atoms trapped by lasers in a two-dimensional grid One advantage of this design is it's easy to scale up the system and add many more qubits into the grid. In other words, they can make this computer bigger over time. Again, we need to be asking some hard questions here. What is it going to be used for? Is it going to be used to profile and control people? And the answer is, obviously, yes, that is what the intent is behind this stuff, even if they're not saying it publicly. So if that's the case, then we should get ahead of the curve right now. We should ban digital currencies, as far as the use of nation states, decentralize the use of digital currencies, deregulate some of it, in fact, deregulate all of it, but some of it specifically that's tied to the Fed. So this whole uh, central bank digital currency issue the issue of uh, activity based intelligence and the profiling of individuals and watching what they do all day long, all of this needs to be stopped, and it needs to be stopped right now. And we need to be electing people to office that understand these issues. And if they don't understand them, then we need to be teaching them and influencing them about these issues. So that brings us to the China front. Coming to from Epoch Times, the Pentagon Cyber Warfare Unit should go on the offense against hostile foreign hacking groups in response to a recent Chinese state-sponsored cyber attack that penetrated top U.S. agencies and stole tens of thousands of emails from officials, according to Senator Eric Schmidt. America needs more than just a good defense. It's far past time to go on the offense. We must bring the fight to the front door of hackers who would do us harm and most critically, state-sponsored hacking groups. This is a double edged sword. We got to be careful with this. And if a cyber war is declared, does that mean that there should be a declaration of war according to the Constitution? I would argue the answer to that question is yes. That brings us to Indo Pac News. The Senkaku Islands escalation with Japan and China is really China's choice. China knows control of the Senkakus will. Greatly complicated and threaten U.S. military operations in support of Taiwan. And it's been nearly 15 years since Chinese started moving in on the, the Japanese islands. So the whole point about this is this is another flashpoint. So down in the Philippines right now on the Second Thomas Shoal, and then up in the Senkaku Islands as well, which is south of Japan toward Taiwan, these are two very, very clear flashpoints that we need to keep our eyes on here coming up in the very near future. That brings us next to open source intelligence. Multiple exercises are taking place in the Western Pacific this week with warships from the United States, Australia, Canada, Japan, and New Zealand. The noble caribou exercise took place in the South China Sea Monday, primarily focusing on tactical drills, joint maneuvering, communication tests, etc. cetera. Here, here's why I believe this is important. Because the Jap or the Chinese Navy is on the move. The Japanese Coast Guard is trying to counter that in the north. And really, this is the security of not only the Philippines, but also Guam that is happening as well. Sunday in Guam, the US and South Korea concluded exercise Silent Shark, which primarily focused on submarine and submarine hunting operations. So Taiwan's military also sent unspecified forces to monitor the Chinese Shandong. Aircraft carrier, which transited the Bashi uh, Channel south of the island and entered the Western Pacific today, is expected to carry out drills to Taiwan's east in the coming days. There are just multiple flashpoints here. But Guam, watch Guam. So Guam, the Senkaku Islands, and the Second Thomas Shoal, those are the flashpoints. And, and uh, like I've said before, this is coming up in the near, very near future. And that brings us now to Epoch Times. 900 U.S. troops deploying to the Middle East as attacks on American forces ramp up. Now, I want to talk about this quickly. There is a false news story out there right now that is saying that 900 U.S. troops or Marines have already landed. That's not happened. These are the plans to bolster more forces on the ground in the Middle East. Now, as I talked about last time, five key things that we look at. Two aircraft carriers in one region of the world. The deployment of advanced anti-aircraft systems. The deployment of ground troops, which has happened, and this brings this to a significantly sized element in the Middle East right now. Then also the deployment of strategic air assets into theater, which has already happened. And lastly, hospitals, field hospitals. Now, Israel set up a field hospital in the north of Israel, But I haven't heard other than hospital ships being in the vicinity, if there are any being set up on the ground. So we're going to really pay attention to this coming in the future. 900 service members are deploying or will deploy to the uh, Middle East in response to attacks on U.S. forces and trying to prevent a broader war. This really doesn't look like a prevention of a broader war. It looks like they're expecting it. The Pentagon announced – uh, that 30 U.S. service members were injured in drone and rocket attacks across the Middle East over the past week. Some have been diagnosed with traumatic brain injuries, and there have been over a dozen attacks on U.S. bases in Iraq and Syria over the last week, and coming to us from open source intelligence. So why this is important is that there's really been open war declared on the United States by Iran, okay? I want to just let that hang there for a second. Oh. The proxies are doing this, so that gives Iran some deniability, but the, the fact of the matter is, Pentagon is already blaming Iran for this. So this is just another indicator that this is going to erupt into a broader war in the Middle East, and our guest today is actually going to be talking about this specifically. Also, coming to us from Israel Radar, Israel Kills Deputy Chief of Hamas Intelligence, who played key role in planning October 7th massacre. And the Israelis are very slow, and they're very good at this, hunting people down and killing them. And they are, they are being very methodical right now. They're taking the time, prepping the ground. Shaping operations are happening on the ground right now. And I'm going to get to a breaking news thing here just in a second. But also on the technology front, Israel's iron beam laser weapon is set to join combat service soon according to various sources. So it's going to be interesting to see if this works, because if it does, it costs almost nothing to shoot down not only missiles, but drones. And this is going to change the face of warfare, especially in places like Ukraine, because drone warfare has has been virtually unopposed there other than EMP weapons. So we're going to be watching this as well. Now, breaking news coming out of the Middle East: heavy fighting between IDF ground forces and militants is continuing in, uh, to occur uh, near the Al Borij camp along the border fence with the central Gaza Strip. While Israeli uh, fixed-wing aircraft and attack uh, helicopters, Apache attack helicopters, actually are reported to be actively engaging targets near the fence. So again, ground operations look like uh, they're getting started and they're ramping up. We've seen raids into Gaza, and then they will pull back. And now we're seeing pretty fierce fighting right there on the border with Israel. Also, from the Russia-Ukraine front, per the Air and Space Forces magazine, citing a U.S. Air Force official, Ukrainian pilots have begun training to fly F-16 fighters in the United States. Hear that again. A small number of Ukrainian pilots are training with the Arizona Air National Guard well, that's interesting, and also they are expediting the arrival of F-16s to Ukraine as quickly as possible. Don't think that's going to turn the tide, but it's certainly a very clear involvement of the United States in that war. And Russia is looking for any excuse to try to drag the United States, at least directly, in, as far as responsibility, into the open. Now, the Western Journal, coming to us on the national front, former President Trump bolted out of a New York courtroom after the presiding judge, a Democrat, denied his request for a directed verdict despite the fact that the testimony of the state's star witness fell apart. Trump immediately got up and stormed out of the courtroom with Secret Service agents chasing after him. The move was not expected, and gasps were heard, in. In the courtroom, the events unfolded after Trump's former personal attorney, Michael Cohen, the key witness in a two hundred and fifty million dollars civil fraud lawsuit brought by Democrat New York attorney uh, General Letitia James, admitted that the former president had never ordered him to falsify financial statements to artificially inflate his net worth. No wonder he ran out. That brings us to Gateway Pundit General Flynn. Americans see the truth. Our ruling class is corrupt, inept, and pathological. Yes, they're inept, but there's there's more to this too. This is a plan. This is an intentional plan to try to weaken the United States prior to a world war. Try to cover it maybe with it, uh, corruption and ineptness, and that is a part of it. But there is a plan behind the scenes to intentionally bring this country down. The only thing standing between those enemies of our Republican success are patriots like you and me. And that brings us to breaking news from the Gateway Pundit. Multiple FBI uh, agency and other agencies in standoff at main mass shooters, uh, last known residence. explosions reportedly emanating from the home. There's video, also want to Getting a breaking news here as well. Um, Manhunt is still underway. Uh, Very active law enforcement presence at two main properties associated with Robert Card. Um, As of Thursday night, the West Road location was cleared. So as of right now, loud bangs could be heard at one of the properties. Um, So far, he has not been located as of right now. But clearly, there is a manhunt underway. If you are unfamiliar with what happened, uh, there could be over 20 dead, um, dozens and dozens injured from a mass shooting. Now, interesting that this came up, and there are going to be cries to disarm the population, when in fact, right now is exactly the time we need to be arming, because our southern border is wide open, and to underscore that, coming to us from Real America's Voice, internal memo warns Middle Eastern terrorists are likely crossing the U.S. southern border. Hear that again. Internal memo warns Middle Eastern terrorists are likely crossing the U.S. southern border. Daily Caller News Foundation and get, uh, investigative uh, immigration reporter, talks about a memo sent internally to authorities who are patrolling the southern border. The memo says, quote, Hamas, Palestinian uh, Palestinian Islamic Jihad, and Hezbollah terrorists are possibly crossing the southern border. Wow. Well, we've been talking about this for quite a while, and our guest actually has been talking about this as well. So here's the the point. We need to be arming right now as civilians— And we really need to return to a civil defense strategy, which is a decentralized defense strategy that was a deterrent by John F. Kennedy against the former Soviet Union. And essentially, that is where you had local National Guard armories that were enough to arm all able-bodied males between the ages of 18 to 45 in case an enemy decided to invade the United States or attack the United States in some capacity. And so then there would be a call-up of all able-bodied males. And most of the time, this is in your state constitution in Washington state. I believe it's 18 to 45. And they would go to the armory and they would be able to defend their community. I believe we need to return to this this, this strategy of decentralized defense of the homeland. And there's no reason we couldn't do this. We need to identify how to store those things. But my goodness, why wouldn't we? Why not do this? Because if there are these groups coming across the southern border, like the Jungle Tigers, the Special Forces from China, the nine ten. Uh, unit from Iran, the special section of the Muslim Brotherhood, coming across the southern border, then we should be arming up, and that would be a deterrent to aggression against the United States of America. And we need to have that discussion and bring this stuff back. It's not like we haven't done it in the past. And that brings us to the last article here, Coming to us from PJ Media, bombshell Biden bribery allegations credible, former prosecutor confirms. I find it interesting that not a lot's been really happening with that. And yet, and yet, Trump is in court almost every day, it seems like. Perhaps we should start having an actual functional counter- intelligence mechanism in the United States again. And that brings us to the local front. Coming up here this Friday and Saturday, October 27th to 28th, 6 p.m. Right here at On Fire Ministries. Peggy Golden, one of the most experienced deliverance ministers in the entire country, is going to be here. It's going to be a a time of freedom for many, many people. So please join us this Friday and this Saturday, 6 p.m., On Fire Ministries. Also, coming up next week, Reformation Day on October 31st, we're going to be celebrating and we're going to be screening Eric Metaxas' new documentary, Letter to the American Church. This is brand new. It's coming out that day. So we're going to be screening it that night. Again, 6 p.m. right here at On Fire Ministries. And then the following night, we're going to be screening Into the Light, November 1st, Into the Light, from General Flynn and a whole bunch of other people like Michael Smith doing a movie again about fifth generation warfare, especially on social media. So we look forward to seeing a lot happening here at On Fire Ministries coming up, but you wanna be informed, you wanna be on the front line, tip of the spear, join us here at On Fire Ministries, 27, 28, 6 p.m., October 31st, 6 p.m., and November 1st at 6 p.m. And that is the briefing. Remember, the antidote to dependency and socialism is to be a God-fearing, self-reliant, freedom-loving American. Thank you to everybody that has been praying for us. And again, hit the like button and the share button. Subscribe to our Rumble channel and subscribe to our Telegram channel with real-time intelligence updates from around the world. And that brings us to our guest today. Once again, Jay Michael Waller. He's a senior analyst for this uh, for strategy at the Center for Security Policy. He's versed in intelligence concerning propaganda, political warfare, and psychological warfare and subversion. It is great to have you back on again. Thank you so much. Uh, we had that breaking story last time. It was so fun to have you on.
1: Well, it's good to be back.
0: And we're now seeing Paxton actually go after that community down there in Texas, as we talked about last time. So finally, somebody's doing about it.
1: Yeah, it took a lot of work by a lot of people to bring that to light, and the, and the The problem had been lasting for years, and nobody said anything, so it continued to go. So this is good citizen action.
0: It is good citizen action. Well, today we're going to talk about Israel and Hamas. Obviously, this has been a long-running thing. The Israelis tried to bank on uh, Hamas over Yasser Arafat, and that whole thing really is kind of blown up in their face. I want to talk about, though, whether this is going to actually turn into a regional war. What say you?
1: it is a regional war. This is Iran is behind this and Qatar is behind this with its petrodollars. And uh, the U S won't say anything about Iran or Qatar because uh, Biden has some sort of fetish of cutting a deal with the mullahs and everyone in Washington is being paid off by the regime in Qatar. So we sort of are not handling this well.
0: Well, let's, let's talk about this a little bit in depth. So Qatar right now actually has senior leaders of Hamas actually in their country right now. And, Arguably, there may have been some coordination ahead of time. We don't know that for sure, but I think it's a fair question to ask. So if you could tell the listeners a little bit about this relationship between Cutter and terrorist organizations and also the relationship between Cutter and some of our leading politicians.
1: Well, yeah, it's a strange relationship but because uh, you've got a Hamas has been a you know, there's a whole alphabet soup of different Palestinian organizations, but they've all flourished with some sort of state sponsorship, whether it was Soviet in the past, or whether it was the Iranian regime, or Saudi, or Qatar. The Saudis are out of the terrorism support business with the new crown prince. They're out. They're on our side on this kind of thing. But Qatar is uh, is this tiny, tiny country that uh, most of the population is actually foreigners, but it's one of the richest countries in the world because of gas oil and gas and they're buying everything up so what the regime in qatar has done successfully is to keep the terrorists off its back by sponsoring them paying them paying the taliban paying the people who were blowing us up in iraq and afghanistan while at the same time hosting al Udaid military base for us to use for u.s central command so the military loves qatar because they're quote you know helping us but they're also killing us and it's something that uh the Bush administration, the Obama administration, uh, and the uh, Biden administration have ignored. The only one to make an issue of it was President Trump.
0: Well, and we're seeing the foreign policy team, if you could even call it that right now, of the Biden regime falling flat on its face. Kind it of give us some insight there.
1: Yeah, the foreign policy team, you like to say, well, nobody's this malevolent. It has to be incompetence and usually we shouldn't be seeing a plot behind everything when incompetence is usually the answer but here you have an amazing combination of both malevolence and incompetence where the biden administration's chief negotiator for iran is an alleged iranian spy the the chief of staff of the, the office of the secretary of defense for special operations handling all our special operations troops she's a big hamas supporter and also an iran sympathizer and she's got some you know clearance issues of her room. she shouldn't have a top secret specially compartmented intelligence clearance but she does she knows everything our special operations forces are doing and yet yet here they are deployed in the middle east and you've got a sympathizer with the bad guys as chief of staff and, th- and throughout the whole government you have these people
0: now, I don't want to sound like the high school quarterback sitting at the bar or something like that, you know, reminiscing about the good old days. But back when I was in, I mean, there was some semblance of counterintelligence that would vet people very thoroughly in their connections to jihadi organizations and communist organizations. I mean, what is happening with our counterintelligence here in the United States?
1: It, it's really we've seen it. If you've seen the FBI in action, you know how our counterintelligence is. Sometimes they'll grab some low-hanging fruit, but most of the time they won't. If you or I would try to get a security clearance now, we'd probably have a hard time because they don't like our views, but they could never deny you a clearance based on your views. But here you have people with relatives still living in Iran or living in other parts of the Middle East, and they're handling Middle East policy. So they've got family and people they're attached to who are are potential hostages, while these other people are in decision-making roles in our diplomacy and our military.
0: It's it's so fascinating too to see the the division happening now inside the Biden regime with those who are of Jewish descent and those who are pro Palestinian and it's it's almost melting down where they can't even make a decision or more importantly a coherent statement in the media uh, that shows where U.S. policy actually is.
1: Yeah. Well, this is where intersectionality, as they like to call it, breaks down, where if you're a person of color and you're an oppressed minority and you're from whatever, uh, then you're a good guy and you have to join our big rainbow flag coalition. And now it's all breaking apart because the contradictions are so severe. Reality has made it so that it's impossible to to have this lovely intersectionality. So they're fighting among themselves uh, where you know it's the rainbow flag to them is more important than the red white and blue first of all and then supporting sort of aggrieved minorities or whatever they want to call them hamas supporting their struggle against imperialism is there is what they're in government to do they're not there to defend uncle sam
0: that's right and i'm going to kind of jump back out right now and you know, talk again about the, the regional war that is is already happening, as you said. I mean, we're seeing two U.S. aircraft carrier groups there. We're seeing sophisticated anti-air assets put into theater, seeing strategic air assets put into theater, troops on the ground in theater. It, it really does look like they're anticipating the Iranian proxies in Syria and Iraq to and Hezbollah as well to attack south and attack Israel or maybe just attack straight up American bases more than they already are.
1: Yeah, while they were denying the whole time that Iran was doing these nasty things to us and still pretending that Qatar is not sponsoring them. If we just had a sit-down talk with the emir of Qatar and said, if you want to keep your regime and stay alive, you're not going to do anything against our people. It. No one's saying that because Democrats and Republicans alike, liberals and conservatives, even MAGA people, are on the take from the Qatar regime. Qatar is spending money so freely in Washington that they just bought the, the Washington Capitals and the Washington Wizards.
0: There it is. So do you think this is going to explode into more than it is? I'm talking about ground battle between Israeli forces and Iranian proxies, U.S. forces and Iranian proxies. Or is this just gonna be this kind of low intensity conflict in the north of Israel and low intensity conflict in Iraq and Syria?
1: Well, put yourself in the position of Hamas or the Iranian regime. This is a great opportunity. You have Israel, which was so polarized, with you've got you had the court system there and the military and the Mossad, which are all very woke, by the way. They're they're <laughs> not much worse, you know. Not much better than our situation so you've got the woke security apparatus of israel the very left wing half of the political system the very left left-wing judicial system trying to oust prime minister netanyahu to the point where people were even talking about israel breaking out into civil war you have that happening you have the war in ukraine where we're preoccupied you have the conflicts uh, potentially with china where we're preoccupied you have a biden white house where people in the in the top levels of the state department pentagon and arguably the cia and certainly at the white house are going to do anything that the regime wants to the point of paying six billion dollars for for some hostages so this is the perfect time for hamas and other iranian proxies and the iranian regime to act right now because you've got a you've got a. You've got a senile president of the United States and a, and a really uh, low-grade team around him and a Pentagon that's so woke that they, they just celebrated National Pronoun Day the other day. Literally, this is the priorities of the United States, so why not attack?
0: Why not? I agree. Why not? This is exactly the, the perfect moment, the perfect confluence of all these different events right now in the united states is being weakened from within so why not attack and
1: sure. people I mean, look at this even today you've got the state department issued a public statement in the middle of all this crisis to celebrate global inter, global intersex day couldn't even say the word after it was it's I know. just at <laughs> right, the state department website why not attack us we we're just sort of bending over being you know begging for it it's insane
0: I, I mean, can't we be about winning wars and finding bad guys? I mean, isn't that what we used to we used to do very, very well? I mean, this is this is We used
1: to win wars, yeah. We why fight with if you don't intend to win.
0: That's right. And we see too with NATO, NATO has gone totally woke, and they're more worried about all of the, the, the transsexuals in service than they are about winning wars, it seems like, or, or at least ramping up training or something you know i mean it's it, this is incredible to, to actually watch it happens like a slow motion train wreck
1: yeah yeah i can't even bear to watch i used to do a lot with nato and i just can't bring myself to to go near them anymore because it's not a serious organization anymore
0: so what's the solution right now i mean if we're if we're potentially facing war on three fronts i mean that's uh, you know Forward, you are not with
1: our border we got our border four, yeah. So look, the other day, the San Diego uh, unit of the uh, of the uh, Customs and Border Patrol had an internal intelligence notice that they might expect that Hamas, Hezbollah, and Palestinian Islamic Jihad might come across the border. Might come across, really? And then we learned that the the Border Patrol does not have a category for Palestinians. They they call them Israelis crossing our border. So there's no way to index or track anybody, even those who who might be trackable. So so our guards aren't watching our own borders. So why not attack us if you're a foreign entity? This is the time.
0: Right. So let's talk about the positive side. Let's talk about what we should be doing. What should the strategy of the United States be right now, number one? And number two, what should the strategy of local and state governments be to fill the gap where the federal government is not?
1: Sure. Well, first, the, the second part first is really important because there's a lot that states can do on their own without federal involvement, and you've seen this in a lot of southern states already—Louisiana, uh, uh, Arkansas, um, Florida, other states—where they have finally said, "You know what? The federal government is not our friend. The federal government is is f- filling our own states with all sorts of unwanted illegal aliens and." allowing terrorists in and you know the whole bit so governor desantis of florida and the either the state legislatures or the governors of other southern states have taken their own initiative to do their own homeland security work to put the feds at the at sort of arm's length when they can uh there's a county in florida uh, where uh, naples florida is located they declared themselves a sanctuary county meaning that federal officers cannot function in the county uh as freely as they did, because they, would, they used to assume that, that when the FBI goes in, the locals would be the eyes and ears for the FBI. This county said, nope, no more of that. We're doing this on our own. We don't need the feds coming in and watching us in this county. Texas has been taking some steps, too. And you've seen them trying to, uh, they're putting up the barbed wire fence on their own border, and then you've got the Department of Homeland Security cutting it down.
0: Yeah, so they're cutting down the state of
1: Texas, but they're they're letting in all the illegals and processing processing them at these camps in Panama that are funded by the Department of Homeland Security that you know few people know about yet.
0: Well, so that I mean that brings up the law enforcement side of this. I mean, can local governments be prosecuting these, conducting investigations in? I mean, there's there's a whole slew of unindicted co-conspirators from the Holy Land Foundation trial that is probable yeah. cause as a matter of law. So why, why couldn't they start doing that and prosecuting at the local level?
1: They can, if it's a state crime. If, if they're doing things that are not a state crime, obviously they can't be prosecuted. But if it's being done, if they're committing federal crimes and the federal authorities aren't prosecuting them, this is where the states come in and make them state crimes. So bust them for breaking state crimes and put them away. Get all the federal prosecutors out of it. Just make sure there's no Soros prosecutor in your area.
0: <laughs> Amen. Amen to that. So let's talk about it at the, at the national level. If if Donald Trump was sitting in front of you right now, what would you tell him as he is preparing to go into the White House for a second term? I'm I'm speaking very positive right now. What would you tell sure. him should happen? What should be his priorities immediately to secure the United States of America?
1: assemble a good loyal team that knows what it's doing. That's united where the members know each other and trust each other and already have an agenda, already have an action plan and then stand by your people when they become targets from the other side.
0: Do you think that he's actually thinking that way right now?
1: Uh, I'd like to think so, but I don't.
0: All right. So that, That kind of brings up another issue. We have a lot of people that listen to Patriot Radio here in the in the Northwest. We have a huge uh, veteran population, retired special forces that live here. There's a lot of us that have been sitting on the sideline that have some experience in this. I was not in special forces myself, but there's a lot of experience that can be drawn from from around the country what is your message to those folks to not just hunker down in a cabin in the woods somewhere, but, hey, we need actual experts, people who know what they're doing, people who love this country and want to see it continue for next generation. What is your message to them to to potentially come forward and say, hey, I want to serve?
1: Yeah, well, I've been in that demoralized state where I think even after living in Washington, D.C., I just want to get out. This is just too much. I'm, I'm done. But you can't do that because that's the coward's way out so we all have a role to play whatever your whatever your credentials are whatever your skills are whatever you'd like to do if you can take time to come to washington and serve for a a couple or more years under a new president be sure to get your your resume and everything else into the transition team ahead of time already the heritage foundation is collecting resumes of people to go into a new administration so go to the the heritage.org website I'm not associated with Heritage, but I'm a big fan and I work with them. And they're collecting resumes right now for that new administration, sorting people out, vetting them, seeing who would be good where and and all that stuff. So that's doing the homework that a transition team would be doing right after an election. Heritage is doing it way in advance. So there's an opportunity here for everybody who wants to serve.
0: Amen. And personnel is policy. Let's shift gears just a little bit to logistics. What should the United States be doing right now? regarding production regarding uh, preparing for what very clearly looks like a global conflict in the next five years
1: first we need to have a strategy we don't have a grand strategy we haven't had one since right after World War two in you know 1946 47-48 when the Truman administration was setting up to wage a cold war but we never went back and did what the Truman administration and a bipartisan majority in Congress did to agree to contain soviet communism back in the 40s we have to do that now Uh, 9 11 came and went and we sort of just fiddled around the edges but we're still configured to fight an old-fashioned kind of war thinking that technology and special operations are going to save us for it we really need to have a whole strategy what do we do how do we handle china what are our vital strategic interests is ukraine in our vital strategic interest i personally support Uh, ukraine's help but i don't think it's in our our existential interests to be doing so meaning help them yes but not to the point of putting our own country at harm on the other hand we have other alliances or other interests where it is worth taking a big risk so what are those types of thresholds what are the types of other threats that we have that are non-conventional especially subversion nobody talks about that anymore except hillary clinton when she's covering up her own subversion but i mean literally no one talks about it the fbi doesn't do this anymore they view people like you and me as enemies and and uh, you know uh, catholics who go to latin mass or whatever so so they, they haven't watched these jihadi networks that are already here but notice as soon as hamas issued that call for global jihad on october 7th look at all the protests all around the world that happened that were all pre-organized yep immediately and you had hundreds and hundreds of thousands and these are not just people who are anti-war or people who support the palestinian people you didn't see any denunciations of hamas or of the crimes it was committing against innocent people you just but it's worded as solidarity with the poor palestinian people so that's a big subversive network there and you look at the fbi statements over the past several years and they haven't even been tracking this
0: not even close not even close. Yeah, but you can do it at the state level. There's
1: a lot that sheriffs can do. By the way, a lot of ways to empower local sheriffs.
0: Yeah, and a lot of places do have uh, fusion centers or intelligence um, groups that they've already put together intelligence task forces. They've already put together, and I mean, why not just start there instead of worrying about Americans? And and even when guys are already on the list, and I loved your I loved your post earlier with the Simpsons. There, say it. Go ahead and say it. He was on the radar, right? you know, even the guys that are on the list are not taken care of, you know, I mean, we, we need to start with what's already been identified.
1: Yeah, most of these mass shooters were known in advance as very troubled people or very extremist people. And they were, you know, anyway, yeah, there's a lot of that going on. So but they, instead, they've got to arrest that last grandma who did some unlawful parading two years ago.
0: Well, let's talk again, a, a little bit more about logistics, you know, rare earth metals, ramping up manufacturing. I mean, what 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 does that look like? How How should that be formed as a policy, as a strategy moving forward here in the next five years?
1: Well, so you hit on something that, that's part of a grand strategy for our country. What are our national interests? What are our, and where is, where's our industry going in the future? Where's our technology going in the future? Where do we get the natural resources to make all of this possible without being dependent on the Chinese Communist Party or other bad actors? So what you just hit the nail on the head with, with rare earth minerals and, and other types of resources where we have allowed the. Chinese Communist Party to dominate, if not have monopolies over a lot of these resources by taking over Africa in large part. But we have so much wealth, so much of that kind of mineral wealth here in our own country. It's, it's there. It's ours. We own it. No one can take it from us. But but the, the uh, administration won't allow those resources to be extracted from the earth. They'd rather have us dependent on China.
0: And all the regulation with this green agenda and everything trying to Keep manufacturing
1: right. back, yeah. Well, right. So, so manufacturing, all of these things have to be part of a grand strategy. And then, what should government do to safeguard our interests around the world so that we can have a great way of life, the way we already have here, and we can progress with technology and and all the other bounty of the earth that's there for us to to either extract on our own or buy from other people while not being dependent on bad guys. That's what a grand strategy is for, and we still need one. This is where a lot of thought comes from shows like yours and from other people who just have good ideas. But unfortunately, a lot of people get intimidated because somebody has a Harvard PhD or has some fancy former government title. So they think their own views aren't worth it because that guy with all the credentials is the expert. That's not the case.
0: It's not the case. We need to be open to the ingenuity of America, which is, has brought us out of a lot of tough times in the past. We have a lot about three minutes left what are your predictions here in the next ninety days? What do you think is going to happen?
1: Well, it's really hard to say. <laughs> I think it's uh, I think that uh, this is an opportunity for Russia and China to cause problems for us, and for Iran to cause more problems for us. and And so, it, I would be really vigilant about them doing things or sponsoring uh, actions against us, either to probe, to test our resolve and our capability, or really to hit us hard, uh, including here at home. We all have to be vigilant about our grid, our electrical grid, our our, uh, our supply chains, and all of these things, which are so fragile and so easy for any domestic or foreign extremist or enemy to disrupt and, and make it hard for all of us. So this is where every citizen can be vigilant.
0: It is. And I think, you know, too, there, there's a lot of hope. We've been through a lot of tough times in the past. We just need to come together as people that love this country uh, and and make it happen. I, I think that's really where we're at. We just need people that are going to make it happen, stop talking about it, and make it happen at the local level first, state level next, and then hopefully here in 2024 we see a change in Washington, D.C., and there is an opportunity to change the national scene.
1: Yep, it depends on each one of us.
0: It does. Jay Michael Waller, thanks for joining me on Patriot Radio today. Blessings to you, and keep up the fight.
1: You too, you too. Thank you.
0: All right, J. Michael Waller, he is a senior analyst for strategy, the Center for Security Policy. And as you heard, just the United States just needs a grand strategy. Talking about logistics, talking about people, personnel, just leadership. We just we need leadership in Washington, D.C. But if it's not going to be Washington, D.C., our great system has a fail-safe. That is at the state and local level. So we we can complain about Washington, D.C. all day long, but the fact of the matter is the power still resides at the state and local level to root out these jihadi and communist networks and to prosecute them under state law here in the United States. Why aren't we doing that? Here in Washington State, why aren't we doing it? Here, why not in Idaho? Why not in Montana? Why not in Oregon? There's no reason why not. And it can start at the sheriff level. Something we need to be tracking and need to be doing Immediately especially in rural counties that are being used as transit points. We need to be moving down this road. And then also on the logistics front, to the extent local governments, state governments can deregulate and allow manufacturing to flourish, particularly regarding ammunition, particularly regarding new technologies, we need to do that as well. And I believe if we unshackle the American Entrepreneur Just unshackle the American spirit. We'll be able to come through this, no problem. It's not that it's going to be easy. We need to start having these conversations and having them openly. And also, like I said at the beginning of the show, returning to a civil defense strategy for the entire country where we have decentralized defense as a backup to the United States military. We have our National Guard in a robust place. We have our State Guard in a robust place. And they aren't just kind of an afterthought in budgeting. It's very important. I I don't know. Some of you probably don't even remember, but there used to be a National Guard armory in virtually every major uh, area in Washington state. And we had one in downtown Spokane. In fact, I think now it's like a laser quest or something like that. There used to be an armory in these major population centers. There's no reason we can't return to that in the future. And again, the sheriff can, can start down some of this road If the state's not going to cooperate, the sheriff has a lot of power to be able to do that. And that, uh, I mean, that can play into a whole bunch of different things uh, from natural disasters to stopping sex trafficking. There's a whole bunch of things that can happen if we just realize the power that is that is waiting to be unleashed at the local level through the sheriff and the county prosecutor. All right. That brings us to some quick breaking news here. Looks like. Wow. Wow. And yeah, it looks like there's still quite a bit of fighting going on there on the border with Israel. And then also, it also looks like uh, there is a real pressing in by Congress right now on this Biden corruption stuff. I'm seeing uh, a tweet by uh, Rep. James Comer. The White House keeps insisting the $200,000 President Joe Biden received from his brother was just a loan if true POTUS should produce the loan documentation regardless Joe Biden's ability to recoup funds depended on his brother cashing in on the Biden brand. So anyway, yeah, they're pressing in on that corruption thing. And like we just heard, uh, things in the middle East are continuing to escalate and ramp up. And for all of us at home, again, this is why the second amendment exists to protect our God given unalienable right to keep and bear arms. And we have, Several God-given unalienable rights that can be taken away. Life, liberty, property, and the ability to defend the same. Decentralization. So if you're not armed, make sure you go take safety class, get trained. But there is no reason that that deterrent strategy of a gun behind every bush shouldn't be that way again. And in large part, in America, it actually is. But it was just heartbreaking to hear these reports out of Israel, where, where people were, were wishing they had firearms to defend themselves against the terrorists as they killed family members in front of them. We don't want to. We don't want to be those people. We're Americans, and we are the f- most fearsome fighting force on the face of the earth. Christians and patriots on our own ground fighting for liberty so that our kids and our grandkids can live in freedom. It's the most fearsome fighting force in the history of the world. But we all need to do our part, you and me. It's not just going to be one person. It's going to be all of us together. And don't listen to the people who are trying to distract you and trying to divide you with all kinds of sweet-sounding, intelligent-sounding things. If you love this country... And for those of us who are Christian, if you love Jesus, let's come together in this time and let's make history. And that brings us to a reminder very quickly again, this Friday and Saturday, October 27 and 28, 6 p.m. here at On Fire Ministries, Peggy Golden. It's part of our Freedom Week and the next week, Reformation Day, we're going to be celebrating with a screening of Letter to the American Church by Eric Metaxas. I look forward to seeing you all then. This is Matt Shea. Thank you for joining me on Patriot Radio today. God bless all of you. He is making this generation the greatest one. The awakening is here. So keep up the fight.